we've been focusing since the beginning of the year on the series, Purposeful Positioning. These principles that we are looking at from a particular part of one of Paul's, the Apostle Paul's great letters, the letter to the Philippians. That was a letter that was written to the church at Philippi. We talked about that in weeks past. But the fourth chapter in particular um, is where we've settled into. And some of you may recall how we sort of, and again, we're nearing the end of January now, so just sort of trade, wow, that fast. Um, we're tracing our steps down the road of where we've been. And we started by sitting with that opening part of Paul's fourth, uh, the, what we call the fourth chapter, and where he talked about what an amazing church they were, and he, he affirmed them, and he told them how much he appreciated them. He says, you know, I'm just so proud of you, and I, I'm deeply uh, thankful for the role that God's allowed me to play in your maturation as a people who live and trust and honor God as a way of your life. And so there was this affirming word, and we talked about the value of affirmation. And we, we then, but then Paul in that, that letter continues on. He says, but there's one thing I need to talk to you about. And he addressed a conflict that had been going on. And he talked about there were two, two ladies in the church, two leaders in the church, actually, who had a difference of opinion. And it was, it was causing a, a, a divide to occur that Paul saw as unhealthy, a conflict that he was hoping to have resolved. And so we engaged that, and we also talked about um, how it's important to, you know, work on relational conflict and how even though part of that is inevitable in life, there are still things we can do to um, make that less likely to have an adverse effect in terms of just how we live. And then last week, we, the week before that, we talked about joy and he rejoiced in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And then last week, okay, the, la the fourth one, we talked about that fifth verse, which had to do with him saying, let your moderation, your gentleness be known to all, and um, the Lord is at hand. Some of us remember that. We talked about this last week, what gentleness meant. It meant having a, a kind of spirit or an attitude that doesn't have to have its way, that is careful about allowing anger to just take over. We talked about an example that Jesus had, right, when um, he was with his disciples, and they were going to a village in Samaria, and when the Samaritans decided that in that particular village that Jesus was unwelcomed, we talked about how James and John got extraordinarily offended, and they, they had a, a streak, a temper streak in them, and they wanted to call down fire and have Jesus burn up the village because they were so angry and so offended, and how Jesus got mad as well, but he got mad not at the Samaritan, but at the James and John, and he says, you have any idea what kind of spirit you have here? You know, it's just completely opposite of everything I've come to do. I'm on my way to Jerusalem to give my life away, and now you want me to call down fire and burn a village. And we talked about how when we're angry, we can, we can just, there's part of us that is like almost calling down fire. And we talked about how others of us maybe, um, we may not be aggressive in our anger, but we may internalize our anger, and it's like there's a village inside of us that's burning. And so we, we talked about yielding. Remember when we used some illustrations? We talked about how someone, someone cuts us in line, you know, what comes out of us, or when we get there at the same time, I was sharing that. You know, it's interesting because um, that night, um, <laughs> you know, my wife and I, uh, we, were, <laughs> we were on our way. Uh, we decided we were going to go do a little grocery shopping. So we went to a grocery store. And we, were, we were driving out. It was pretty congested because the one we went to was in Stonestown. And it was pretty congested. It was night, and we were uh, coming out of the lot. And, and uh, there's this spot, you know, where uh, you, you go, and you, one group clearly has the right of way. And the other, uh, 
<laughs> and the other is trying to get out, right? And so I'm driving, and, and I'm driving, and yeah, we just talked about this, right, in the morning, and, and I'm driving, and all of a sudden, you know, I'm kind of getting there. I'm a little bit ahead, and there's this person that's waiting, waiting. They're kind of stuck, and really, they need to wait till everybody gets by. But, you know, I say, you know, I'm feeling pretty good in my heart. I'm, I'm going to... I'm going to do what I talked about today, and I'm going to just, you know, I'm going to be gentle here and let the other person just kind of go. And I, and I turn to shout, you know, I'm just going to let, yeah, it's not a big deal. They waved me, waved back at them, and I was really kind of happy about it. But then right behind that person, there was another, there was another young girl, and she decided to take advantage of the opportunity and so she, she abused my graciousness and just drafted <laughs> right behind, right behind the other one who I had already made allow. And I was going, now that's wrong. That's really wrong. What's up with that, you know? And, and uh, so, so we were laughing. We started laughing. It was, it was like I was going, that's yeah, so crazy. Just, just, we, just we just had a conversation about this, you know? And how this is unjust, you know? And, and so... It's just funny, and I've heard a lot of car stories, believe me, for, uh, since the last couple of weeks. Um, but, you know, when we, that's where we sort of have been. And uh, where we're going is a little bit different in the time that we have left here together. And because Paul shifts the discussion, he, he then follows it up in the sixth verse. And, but when he talks about this whole idea of, of not being anxious or filled with anxiety. And we're going to talk about that. Now, look, I know that uh, one of the things that is true, is that, you know, I don't want to always be focusing on, well, all of us have problems, all of us have areas that we're struggling with and stress points, and just say, well, that's, that's sort of, you know, what we come here to do, to just talk about that and get better, you know, and yet, uh, it, I, the truth is, our faith in Christ, which is meant to, to be strong and growing and it's principle-based, the fact is that any faith that has any real significance, any real relationship with the Lord is going to have to show up in our everyday life. Jesus talked about that. When we say your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, what he was immediately doing was reminding everybody, this is not just about heavenly things yet to come. This is about living here on this earth. And by the way, when we live on earth, in our real lives, in our everyday lives, which is why I think Jesus was so um, able to connect with such a swath of socioeconomic uh, groupings of people, it's because he spoke real. And a lot of times his stories were designed to illustrate concepts that were taking it out of the theological realm and bringing it into the everydayness of life. And they connected with people. Because you know why? A, a faith that never shows up in real life isn't really much of a faith at all. It's gotta, it's gotta connect into the everydayness of our life. In other words, it's got to hit us where it counts. In, in, in the everyday issues we struggle with, the people issues, the, 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 our health issues, uh, our relational issues, our peace of mind, our emotions, all of these things, the things that we're struggling with, this is where life in Christ is to be lived out, in, at least in part, in the everydayness of our life, in the truth of who we are. Having said that, it makes Paul's words all the more meaningful, and again, when he talks about worry and anxiety, it's because, you know what, he probably was struggling himself with some of that. Um, we uh, understand that when Paul writes this letter in Philippians 4, that he wrote it, again, uh, under the watchful eye of a Roman guard. He was under house arrest, awaiting a trial that was either going to result in his acquittal or beheading. Suffice to say, things had not gone as Paul had hoped. He had anticipated, again, coming to Rome in a much different way. He had always dreamed of going there to this great city, the greatest city of his, of his era, the greatest city of the greatest empire the world had ever known, Rome. 
And there, although there was a, a community of believers already there who were followers of Jesus, Paul had just wanted, it meant so much to him to go to this place of great influence and talk openly in the public square with some of the great minds of his day. Uh, he wanted to be able to be in this epicenter of world activity and talk freely about the cause and the way of Christ and what Jesus meant. And he saw himself as an ambassador of the Lord. And, and yet, when he arrives in Rome, he is, comes in a much different way than I think he would have dreamed of. And it's not unlike us when we find ourselves getting something that we've wanted, but when we actually get there, it's different than what we were hoping for. And it's just not quite, because he's, he's stuck. Remember, we talked about it. He, he doesn't have freedom to preach wherever he wants to. He can't just go anywhere he wants to. He's got to pay his own rent. He's dependent on other people to give him resource. Um, he has some limitations on what he can and can't do. He's awaiting an uncertain future. There's a lot of stuff there. Paul could have er very easily given in to discouragement. And there was one more thing that was going on that's worth noting. And that is this, that Paul had to also deal with the fact that some people, some other leaders in particular, were using his, his confinement, his, his imprisonment, his, his being under house arrest, to sort of undermine his credibility as a senior leader, as an apostle. And so that really bought, that hurt him. And in fact, just as a kind of setup for where we're going, I put this passage in your handout in Philippians. It's, it's at the front of the letter of Philippians, and we have it here in Philippians 1, 12 through 18. I want you to read it with me. And as I read it through, you'll kind of see what I'm talking about. So Paul's talking about this, this you know, injury that's occurred and what's bothering him. He says, I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me has, has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. It is because it's my testimony of Jesus that, that I'm, lo I'm locked up here. Um, they all know that. In fact, clearly, it's interesting. All the palace guards were now aware. I mean, Paul had shared Christ. People had talked, he had talked to people about Jesus. And he says, and because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence, actually, and are boldly speaking God's message without fear. My very presence here has actually encouraged some people to be more bold in their conversations about the Lord, as they see me doing here, even in the midst of, of you know, the palace guard. He goes on to say, and it's true that some are preaching, look at verse 15, out of jealousy and, and rivalry that, that was going on. He says, but others, they preach Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me, for they know I have been appointed to defend the good news. But those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. In fact, they preach them with, out of selfish ambition, not sincerely. And look at this phrase, intending to make my chains even more painful to me than they are. That's Paul's, you know what Paul's saying? He's going, man, it's bad enough to be stuck in the place that I am. And I feel bad enough about my, my chains, my lack of freedom. And then on top of it, to have others who are using that as an excuse to undermine my credibility, to take advantage of the situation, to draw more followers to themselves and away from me. He says, I just, it's just so wrong. I, I, it bothers me. You could, you could see him. Just, he says, it, it adds to my pain. And then Paul does something that I think is really good. And it's a reminder for all of us. When we start to feel a negativity beginning to kind of creep in, when we start to feel resentment or a spirit of competition starting to overwhelm us, or we become starting to feel discouraged about our situation, look what Paul does. 
Look what Paul does. He's writing. You can see it in his writing. It's, again, he, see the rhythm of what he's saying. He's talking about how God is using him, even in prison. He's saying, but you know, there's this stuff going on. Ah, man, you know, it, it really bothers me. These guys are using my situation to undermine my credibility. And, and you can see him. He could, he could start to get going down that road. But it's like he pulls himself back in. And look what he says. He says, but you know what? But that, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't. Whether their motives are false or genuine, you know, at the end of the day, the message about Christ is being preached either way. So you know what? I'm going to rejoice. And in fact, he says, I will continue to rejoice. It's like you see him rallying himself back to where he's supposed to be. It's a reminder. Again, sometimes we find ourselves drifting into a frame of mind that is not going to go anywhere good, and we can feel it pulling us. It's almost like it's just pulling us, it's pulling us in that direction. And the Lord, and, and Paul's feeling that tug, like, it's there, it's right there. I'm not happy about it. I can easily start to focus, but he says, you know what? No, no, it doesn't matter. What matters to me? And he's, see, see the, again, what is our, our series about? Purposefully positioning ourselves. You can see him shift his attitude and say, you know what? No, 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 I'm not going... You know what? It doesn't matter because what matters to me is Christ is being proclaimed. Whatever the motives of the people. And guess what? That, I'm gonna I am going to rejoice. In fact, I'm going to keep rejoicing. You can see it. He's reminding himself. He's strengthening himself in God. That's an important thing for us to be aware of. Now, as we look at that, let's just jump back to that fourth chapter. In a way, we're jumping you know, back to our main text, but where we've been in the past few weeks. Um, I'll read it through. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Paul's writing again, Philippians 4, 4 through 6. I want to look at the sixth verse here. He says, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. We talked about that. Then, and then here's that sixth verse. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and, and supplication, we're going to talk more about that next week, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So what Paul is saying is don't allow ourselves to be filled with anxiety and allow stress or worry to consume us, but choose to be a person who learns how to offload things to Christ in a regular way, that we trust the Lord with things. You see what I'm saying? He's saying, position yourself this way. Look what this it says, this verse, is, verse 6 is rendered in the NLT. I love it. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. All right? Tell God, tell God what you need and thank him for everything that he's done, right? Think about that. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Now, a lot of times we think, oh, we only pray about things when they're really bad or really big, you know? No, no, he's saying no. Prayer as a way of life. Don't, don't even, some of us need to not be afraid to bring even little things, little concerns to God. That's what we're being told here. That one of the things we have the invitation to do, that one of the, the things that we're actually reminded to do is not to allow worry and anxiety to dominate us um, or even our offenses or other issues, our concerns about our health, uh, all the things that tend to just seize us. Um, he says, don't do that. Don't live like that. Live in a way, position yourself in such a way that we never allow the negativity to dominate us. Jesus says something close to this in Luke 12 when he wrote, or when he declared this, he said, then he said to his disciples, therefore I say to you, do not what? Do not worry about your life, what you're going to eat, about your body, what you're going to put on. But look at that phrase, do not worry about your life. We do. A lot of us do. 
you know? And the reason a lot of us do is because there's a lot of stuff in life that is not always easy. And, you know, when you're trying to manage life, it's, it's, it, you, stuff happens. Um, we're just trying to take care of basic necessities, make sure we pay our bills, hopefully we have a job, try to do the best as we can. There are other issues that are going on. We have issues inside of ourselves, emotional issues, people, relational issues, stuff comes up. I mean, life is just like this continual churning of, of stuff that's happening, and it's great to be alive, but yet part of life is complex. And I think living in a world that we live in right now, it's amazing because with all the technology we have, and boy, it's never been anything quite like what we're living through. Boy, this is an amazing time. So many devices that we have that save time, things that would have taken you know, hours to do, you know, nanoseconds now, it's just stunning stuff. All of this stuff you would think would mean that we would have all this huge amounts of free time on our hands, right? <laughs> but it's amazing that with all our advancements, it almost feels like life is even more busy. It almost feels like life is even, and I say it, 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 this is true, it is actually more noisy. Um, and it's noisy if we define noise as just continual action. And uh, you know, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking about this, the reality, every, every season of life has its own challenges. You know, we, were ju we just celebrated um, our, our youngest of our four children is, is turned 16 on Friday. And it was sort of, we, we celebrated that and we, well, you know, it was actually the 29th, so technically Saturday, but we celebrated on Friday. And it was an amazing moment for us. And we just kind of, I was just sitting, we were all sitting with it, you know, and just kind of going, because what's happening is now the challenges, and I'm sort of watching at life through the eyes of, of my children as they are beginning to engage adulthood. And one of the things that's pretty clear is that you, there comes points, especially with the older ones, when you start to look at life, you see it through the, it, 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 you look down the road a little bit and it can be daunting at times. You know, what do I do when I'm done with school? How do I find my way? How do I make my way? You know, what's that gonna look like? Things that I've been able to do and have and take for granted, and all of a sudden I've gotta bear this. It's, it, and then I realize that a lot of times struggles occur around relationships, life management skills, uh, communication patterns, ability to say no to things. Listen, every one of these areas, God wants to teach us how to live better in this life of ours for his honor, for his glory, and for the blessing of other people. He wants to show us how to grow. Wherever we are, we can grow. This to me is so important, and yet I'm reminded that there are always complexities we are facing. Listen, I know this for sure. I would doubt, well, let's say this, it's, it's highly unlikely that there is anybody here who doesn't have something that doesn't concern them. We all have something that concerns us, where we're tempted to worry about it, or be anxious about it, or to ignore it because it's so intimidating to us that we don't even want to think about it. The problem with that is it, it also can be a problem, right? Because if we ignore something at some point that we know we're going to have to address, and again, there's this fine line, right, between what Jesus said, don't borrow from tomorrow's evil or trouble. There's enough trouble. In other words, don't envision unreality, which we do all the time. We start going down that road. What if, what if, this is going to happen, what am I going to do? So we, get, we can get stuck there. But at the same time, we need to be a people who are also can't ignore. So there's this tension, right? We don't want to borrow from tomorrow's troubles. At the same time, we don't want to ignore real issues that need to be dealt with. So there's this tension. How do we live in the peace of God? How do we live free of a kind of crippling anxiety? You know, worry 
is one of those interesting words in the Bible. Because look what it, let me show you something about what James said. In James 1.8, this is what the Bible says, that a double-minded person, a double-minded man is unstable in all their ways. Worry, interestingly enough, is one of those words that if you were to flesh it out, it means to be of two minds. The Greek word is originally, it connotates a person of two minds. And the Bible says that a person who has double-minded is unstable in all their ways. Almost like that proverbial, um, you know, uh, it's, it's kind of like a, uh, well, what is it? I'm thinking of it, it's like a donkey, <laughs> okay, who's stuck between two haystacks. And both of them look really good. And, and he eventually starves to death because he can't decide which one to go after. And we can get stuck in a place where we're so paralyzed by what happens if I do this or what if I do that and this happens and, and we get stuck. We get stuck in a place and we can't make decisions. We can't make good decisions. And so, you know, we, we, again, a double-minded person is unstable in all their ways. God wants to teach us how to live, how to live in a way that is um, free enough to do certain things. That is going to be connected, Paul says, to how we position ourselves. How we position ourselves. Because worry ultimately will, will keep us from certain things. Over an, uh, Allowing anxiety to dictate uh, uh, sort of our overall life approach, to start determining our attitude. See, again, Paul himself is contending, right? He's talking about, don't let the, he's saying, I'm not going to let the negativity define me. He sees himself going there. He pulls himself back up. I'm going to stay in a good place. Uh, He's feeling that pull to go there. But instead, he pulls himself. It's about his attitude. It's about the attitude. I'm going to stay in a place that trusts God. I'm going to stay in a place that lives in his joy. I'm not going to allow myself to get stuck. And you know what? A lot of times you can see it when it's happening. You can feel it inside of you. I can't sleep. It's consuming me. It's bothering me. It could be an anger issue. It could be a fear about a health issue. It could be something about a decision we have to make. We know we have to make. We don't know which one to make. Each, each part of each one looks like it has danger in it. I don't, I, just, I don't know what to do. Help me, God. See, that place, that's what I'm talking about. That, and Paul, and, or maybe in Paul's place where he's going, this isn't fair, this is not right, I can't fight for myself. But you know what? I can't allow myself to get stuck in this kind of negative, I need to trust God. I did it in everything by what? By prayer and supplication. Let him know my heart with thanksgiving. I'm going to just keep trusting you, Lord. I'm going to reaffirm it. I'm just going to show, look, I, I get to, sh- it shows up in our what? Our attitude. How we choose to conduct ourselves is going to be, a, has a lot to do with this big breakthrough. Now, let me, okay, let me put it this way. Let's talk about it from a different, sort of a different angle. Let's look at it from the standpoint of this. What happens when you and I choose not to worry or let anxiety just sort of take over and instead choose to position ourselves in a, in a point of faith or trusting in God's faithfulness? How about that? What happens when we purposefully position ourselves, which is what Paul is talking about? Don't position yourself. Don't allow the, the what-ifs, the anxiety, the fear, the paralysis of, of what am I going to do with this? Don't allow that stuff to dominate. He says, instead, trust God with your life. Trust God with what is ahead of us. Trust God that he can make a way. Trust God. Let that joy be full. There's reasons why this is important. When we position ourselves this way, certain things happen. Number one, the first thing that can happen is we stand a better chance of being delivered by God. That might sound elemental, like almost elementary. Like, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, but the reason is, is because when we are able to do this, 
what happens is we create possibilities that wouldn't otherwise exist. When we welcome the Lord into our situation, there are some times where even a door that's been like bolted shut, God can burst it open in, a, in an amazing way. We don't know what God may do. One of the things, so when we position ourselves, bring our heart before the Lord, let him know where we're at, say, Lord, I'm feeling this thing. It's trying to take control of me. It's trying to define me. I know it's not good. I can feel it. It's not good for me in any way, shape, or form. It's not good for me physically. It's not good for me emotionally and mentally, Lord. I just need to trust you with this. I need to keep trusting you with this. Every time I want to go down that road, I can feel myself. I need to pull myself back up. Like Paul didn't say, I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. I'm going to keep rejoicing in the Lord. I'm going to keep trusting in God. I'm going to take my stance there, and my attitude is going to reflect that. Why? Look at this. I put this in your handout, in the column right there, the fourth column. Look what it says. This is from the message. It's, it's more of a paraphrase than a translation, but it's great. It's from James 1, verses 5 through 8. Look at it with me. He says this. If you don't know what you're doing, pray to the Father. He loves to help. You'll get his help. And you won't be condescended to when you ask for it. Ask boldly, believingly, without a second thought. People who worry their prayers are like wind-whipped waves. Don't think you're going to get anything from the master that way. Adrift at sea, keeping all your options open. That's a great little piece there. Because what he's talking about is a way of positioning ourselves and we say, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to pray with confidence that you can make a difference in my situation. I'm going to believe that you can sustain me. I'm going to put my anchor with you. I'm going to like take my anchor and I'm going to put it right on you, the solid rock. And I'm going to let, that's my, I'm going to say, Lord, that my first option is you. And whenever I start to feel this stress start coming over me, whenever I start to feel like, like, uh, you know, this is, this is starting to get, get bigger and I can't, I'm, it's like I can't get it out or whatever this issue is. Or I'm starting to get paralyzed in my ability to live joyfully. I, I'm, it's showing up in my, again, my sleeping patterns or the way I'm treating people or, or the anger. That's, those are signs that there's some, a lot of times stuff is wrong. And in, when that happens, it's very important to position ourselves in such a way that we say, Lord, I'm, help me, help me. I want to ask you to try. I'm trying to, what I'm trying to say is I'm trying to give everybody here, and some of us may know it already, but as much of an encouragement to intentionally say, Lord, help me to have a right attitude. And then that attitude I will choose to have will be an attitude that reflects someone who lives in your joy. And I'm going to live that way. That is how I'm going to live. Because I know when I do that, I have a better chance of you doing amazing things in my life. Number two, not only that, but when we choose to trust God with things, offload Trust him. Give it to him. Our attitude brought up into alignment with that. We also find that we have uh, more creativity. We become better problem solvers because what happens is a lot of times when we are stuck with fear and anxiety or we're stressed out or we're, we're trying to, to just deal with stuff and we're getting all bothered by it, we get, we're like, you can't see the forest. Remember the old the saying, you can't, see the, you, know, you can't see the forest? The whole idea is you're stuck because of the trees, right? We're, we're not hot. We can't see it. We don't, here's the thing. We don't see alternatives well. God is a creative God. He, 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 can, cre he can show us things we couldn't otherwise see. I mean, one of the amazing things is that when you get up high, when you see a different vantage point, all of a sudden you go, oh, wow, you know what? I couldn't see it because I was in it, but if I can get myself out of it, what happens is I go, whoa, you know what? There, there's a, a, there it is. That's the avenue out of here. 
right there. I couldn't, but I couldn't see it when I'm over here, when I'm down here. But if I can get up high, and you know, I always think of that as kind of like getting up high, getting a vantage point. It's almost like doing what Paul just says here. In everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Pray about everything. Tell him everything. Get up high. Ask God to give us creativity. Show me a way, Lord. Show me what to do here. Let me see. Because a lot of times when we're so, we can't see it. You know, it's interesting. When we're so caught up, we're so tight, we sometimes can't, and it's interesting how that works, because our fear has a way of just, we get closing, or we get discouraged, we get more and more discouraged, we get more and more just kind of like tight and wound up, and, and when we can just trust God, Lord, I reaffirm my trust in you, like Paul said, I, I choose to rejoice in you. All of a sudden, I'm, I'm getting free. I'm getting free. I'm, I'm freeing up, Lord. I'm freeing up. I, I can begin to just say, Lord, show me a way. Show me a, a third alternative. I don't see it. But now I, I can see I'm looking better. I'm seeing better. I'm listening better. I'm not afraid. I'm trusting you. You'll make a way. You see what I'm saying? Thirdly, it also increases this. When we position ourselves this way, purposefully, it gives us the ability to hear wise counsel and uh, recognize it when it comes our way. Because listen, when we're in a desperate place or we're feeling overwhelmed or particularly discouraged, advice is easy to come by, believe me. Everybody, we can easily get advice. The key, the key issue will not be volume. The issue will be quality. It's not gonna be the amount. Everybody has an opinion. When we ask people about our situation, people will give us opinions. The question is, is this wise counsel? Is this, is this kind of God speaking to us through others? You see, in the abundance of counsel, there is safety. But to be able to recognize that, one of the, what, I'm, what I'm suggesting is that if, when we intentionally trust God with something, listen, and we say, Lord, I'm trusting you, speak to me. I'm listening. Your servant hears. I, and I'm, I'm going to keep myself in a place as best as I can that is open to you, that what happens is we hear Others, and a lot of times we recognize the Lord is speaking in this. There's wisdom here. There's wisdom here for me. I will follow that. But I couldn't hear it maybe if I was so caught up in my situation. Because I'm open, I'm listening well, I'm not likely to follow off somebody. Because listen, when we follow bad advice, it can compound our problem. Not all advice is equal. And, 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 and the, the, the advice that centers around a healthy expression of Christ and his words and, and, and the principles of God will produce life. It will produce life. There is a way that leads to life and there's a way that leads to death. And not, all, not every way is, Jesus said, there are many ways, but only one way leads to life. You know, the psalmist says, you know, Lord, show me your way. Show me your way. Okay, last thing, last thing. This will be the fourth and the, and the final of the pieces. Is that when we, when we position ourselves in a way that is, is saying, Lord, I'm going to trust you with this. I'm going to bring this to you. I'm going to check my attitude. That what happens is we find that we are more likely to experience spiritual and emotional growth. And uh, boy, I'll tell you, and this will be the last part of scripture we, we'll look at. And this is only, I only want us to look at verses 2 through 4 in the handout. So of James 1, 2 through 4 here. Just kind of look at it with me, dear brothers and sisters. That's all of us. When troubles come your way, and they do, consider it an opportunity for what? Great joy. Whoa. Why? Because you know why? Because when your faith is tested, look what it says. 
Your endurance has a chance to grow. And then you talk about turning the tables. So let it grow, he says. Let, and I, and I, I circled that, so let it grow. So let it grow. Let it work. I mean, it's like what Paul's saying. You know what? This isn't good. This is not good. I don't like what's happening. Not only do I not like being, being free, I'm, I'm, I'm confined here. I'm dependent. And then I got people undermining me. And he starts going there. No, no, no. I'm going to stay in the good place. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to strengthen. See, the fibers of faith are strengthened under the winds of adversity. Oftentimes, it's through that pressure that we find ourselves growing. We position ourselves in a good way. We start to practice trusting God, giving it to him, thinking clearly, listening better, trusting that God has something good to bring from this, that this bad thing actually may have inside of it an opportunity that God can do an amazing thing because we know, according to Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for good to those who love God and are the called according to his purpose, that God can bring good out of anything. And one of the things that we have to do then, so just to summarize it, it has to do with attitudinally positioning ourselves, stay rejoicing. Stay jo- Firstly, Choose to not walk around defeated, angry, giving in to the situation and saying, oh, I just forget it, or it doesn't matter, or who cares, or why bother? I'm just to skip the whole thing and forget the whole thing. You know, I don't care. Don't do that. If you do, we should only do it for a little while. And then, <laughs> and then pop out of that, right? This is like Paul. He started there. He says, going, there's no good, but then it's like, you know what? It doesn't matter. Now, it did matter, but it, you know what he's saying? It, it but really, it doesn't, because Christ is with me. And he, so he checks his attitude. So the first thing, check that attitude. Secondly, surrender. Surrender that fear. Again, I'm, I'm just using numbers, but I'm just summarizing what we've just been talking about. Check the attitude. Surrender our anxiety. Say, Lord, I give it to you. I just give it to you. I can't control this. Um, I can see it's trying to control me. See? Prayer helps us with our stance when our stance is in prayer. I'm going to trust you with it, Lord. I'm going to breathe deep the breath of God. Thank you for the gift of life. Thank you for the the promise of life to come. Thank you for people in my life who love me. Thank you for so many blessings, known and unknown. I can never repay you for those things. I bless your name. I bless the plans that you have for me, Lord. I want to stay in a good place. Give me faith. I'm going to keep fighting, keep surrendering, keep trusting you, Lord. That's prayerfully. I'm going to reaffirm your ability to make a difference. You are going to be my anchor. That's what you're going to be. And my attitude is going to reflect that as best as I can. And every time I start to get too far and drift out there, keep me anchored in the right place, Lord, so I come back to where I'm supposed to be with you in a right place, with the right attitude. You know, and, and, and the thing is, the, the, the song is really, for me, a prayer. And I actually think it's a poetic prayer. And it has direct connect with everything we just shared. In fact... As, we're, as we share it, just kind of look at it. This is almost like this could be our closing prayer. Lord, you are my anchor. You are the anchor. You're the refuge in the storm. Your words are wisdom. They shine in the dark. And I hear your voice on the water. I feel your touch in the wind. You're above and beneath me. Surround my heart again. And I know that you're good. God, I know that all you do is good. And then here's the key part. So I put my life in your hands. So I put my life in your hands. I'm yours alone. Surrender, Lord. I raise my hands to you alone. See, I'm I'm giving it to you. I'm surrendering it to you. So, Lord, your voice guides me. Tell me what to do. Your heart, it drives me to follow after you. So I love that. That's simple, but it's right there. 
right on the money. All right? So let's, uh, let's, uh, let's pray, and then we'll have our time of offering, and then we'll share that song as we close. So, Lord, you know, serving you is a great adventure. And, and, we can't t- and one of the beautiful things about it is, Lord, that even though some parts of our lives may not look like they're that exciting at times, um, following you, if we're, if we're contending for growth, will always be exciting. And we're always going to learn new things and always going to be learning new things, not just about you, but about ourselves and about how to, how to live better and love better and how to be a better person who will be a blesser and, uh, Lord, how to get past things. Man, it's just fantastic following you. And so, but we have to choose to do it. We get to choose to do it because life's going to deal with stuff not always fair. It's not always good. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's rough. But we get to surrender even there to you. And in those places where it's harder, actually, Lord, is where we get to grow the most. We get, to, we get to work out that faith. The fibers of our faith, they get expanded. We get to trust you, Lord. Easy to trust you when everything's going our way. Help us to trust you, Lord, when it's a little harder. We want to ask you to do this. We want to pray that you bless our closing time, time of giving, and this song. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs>